Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. As we start this new school year, how would you like your kids to become self-sufficient where they are not so dependent on you for every little thing? Well, guess what, parents? Sometimes we train our kids to be dependent on us. And so today we're going to go to a throwback podcast where we talk about moving your kids from dependence to self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency, what an awesome word. Wouldn't you love it this fall if you and your kids started to move away from them being so dependent on you to being self-sufficient to where they did things on their own and you didn't have to tell them all the time. What an awesome thing that would be. Well, listen to the podcast. It's a throwback podcast and find out how to raise independent, self-sufficient kids. Here we go parents, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. Today we're going to talk about moving children from dependence to self-sufficiency. Now, as you know, the Mannings have seven kids, and I would say that our seven kids, thanks to mostly to my wonderful wife more than me, <laughs> have seven pretty self-sufficient kids, and they've been and they started being self-sufficient at a very young age. First of all, just, and Suzanne, just tell them what is self-sufficiency to you as you've trained them up this, the seven kids. Right. Well, so just background on me. I mean, I'm outnumbered. And so very I, much so. I needed them to be self-sufficient. And so what that just means is that they take care of their own needs without external assistance. And so external assistance means mom or dad. And so they would take care of them. Or others around them exactly. that need to help them, well, that they and can they, and figure things out. Exactly. And so that's what, like, I, out of desperation, I needed them to be self-sufficient. And on the one hand, parents, we understand that's a dream of, I mean, I think if you say, if yeah, you, think about that parents, it's a dream. If you, if you imagine your child getting out of bed in the morning by themselves, getting themselves dressed, fixing them a bowl of cereal. I mean, that's the, ah, yeah. Or, you know, doing their own homework without having to be told and prompted to do it. Have you done your homework? What about your homework? Have you done your homework? And think about how this works from a relationship standpoint. If you're not nagging your kids all the time and doing things for them and there's an independence to them, a self-sufficiency to them, then you can focus on other things, how their relationship with God and things like that. And, but and so just think about you've got your life and they've got their life. And so how much of your life do you need to impose on their life? How much do you need to help them in their life? And how much can they live their life on their own self-sufficiently? And it sounds so good, but yet there's this other piece. And, it, and we believe that parents are being influenced by the world a lot in this because it brings in the media and everything else that's happening because the other flip side of that is, and parents, you may be experiencing this right now. Oh my goodness. It's 
creates a lot of fear in me. It creates a lot of anxiety to think that, oh, is my kid going to mess up? Are they going to fail? Are they going to get hurt? Are there something bad going to happen? And so we swoop in, what is it called? The helicopter parent or the the, the lawnmower parent, bulldozer parent, clearing the way for our kid. And so there's actually terms that have been put into place that label us as parents that are trying to live our kids' lives for them. And we, we don't want that. We all know those are not positive terms for parenting. I mean, nobody says, (laughs) nobody gives the helicopter get an award exactly nobody (laughs) gives the helicopter parent award or anything like that but but yet we see parents more and more having more and more including ourselves sometimes having real this oh my goodness if I don't take care of this for my kid if I don't make sure I do everything I'm not a good parent if I don't right go you know fight for my kids grade in this class while other parents are fighting for their kids grade or whatever I mean that's good that's you know, a good one yeah that we are um that we are not doing enough and it's getting to where we're doing it at older and older ages yeah you don't want your kid going off to college and you're still paying their bills and you're doing their laundry and you're buying their groceries for them and making sure they've done their homework oh, and, yeah and you know because they're going to lose that curfew it's you know they're going to be at some point they are going to be on their own and if they're not ready for it. And that's a good point that college is when they're going off to college or going out of the house, that's when they need to be ready. But, but if we're fearful and we're always doing the helicopter things, then we're going to create kids that are dependent. So just think of it, parents, you got a spectrum. You've got dependence to self-sufficiency. Now, of course, when they're babies, you got to do a lot for them. Well, and so just before you go to babies, because I do, I want to move into that, but I just want to talk about our goal. Our goal as parents is to raise independent, self-sufficient. This is a big, this is a, this is a big concept, parents. So wrap your brain around it. It's our goal is to raise independent, self-sufficient, contributing members of society that will one day advance God's kingdom here on earth in a mighty way. And so we've got a big job as parents to do. And so if you break it down a little bit, and we're going to go, like you said, Don, on that scale, that independent to that self-sufficient. And so it sounds overwhelming, but I mean, just want to encourage you parents, you're already doing it. You're doing it right now. Like Don was talking about with the babies. Our, the day that our children were born, they started on their journey from being dependent on you to being independent. I mean, they started living, they were started as living in your body, literally. And then they moved out of your body. And from there, the moment they were born, oh, that's the most fascinating part. They they learned to breathe. They saw light. They could hear for the, they could smell. They could eat. They pooped for the first time because they're not, they don't poop in utero. Um, and from there, I mean, that's the part that's just, that's just crazy. They, they, you, you teach them how to sleep. You teach them how to eat. You teach them how to go potty in the toilet. I mean, you dress themselves, car seats, tie shoes, read, write. The list goes on and on and on and on. And parents, you're doing that. You're teaching them. Well, and it really is parents. When we talk about our goal, think about this. Our goal as parents is to raise independent, self-sufficient kids. Okay. That's that's a way of life. And and what we're trying to get through to you is that the world has influenced us a lot that, no, we can't release them. In fact, even studies are showing that adolescence is getting longer and longer Mm -hmm. in life. And it's because, not because the kids are different, it's because our world is different. And we now have all these fears and things that we think we have to to protect them from. And Mm -hmm. so really raising independent kids, it really is. We're we're trying to flip your thinking here a little bit. 
that it's a way of life and it starts when they are young. And it's for you. I mean, you want it. You want it. I can't tell you enough, parents. You want your children to be self-sufficient. Well, and, and I do think that, although I think as a parent, if you're really honest with yourself, you may not want some parents really like the dependence and they like the the way you know oh, you, that's good. they like the the fact that they're needed and uh, but also you got to think about what's best for your kid and what's best for your family well so for example let me give you just you know Suzanne was talking about that doing it at a at a young age so uh, and and for example let's say that we're talking about cleaning up our room well, are you going to do it for them? Or are you going to teach them to do it? A kid can learn how to clean up their room at a very young age. You know, when they're three, four years old. Now, they may be limited. They may just have to put the toys in the toy box. Well, I would even say one. I mean, Truett is grandson right now, one years old. He'll take the toys out of the toy box, and she's training him to put them back in. I mean, if they can right. take it out, they can put it in. And so it starts at the very beginning. And they understand a lot more than they can communicate. Mm -hmm. So you can, and, and, but it takes those things to um to be patient and we're going to get into some very practical things in a minute but what we want to emphasize here parents is we're talking about a way of life you've got to come you got to be able to say hey i want to raise self-sufficient kids i want to move my kids as soon as possible from dependence to self-sufficiency so if you look at it in childhood there's a long line of opportunities that are presented to you the parent to teach your child self-sufficiency and so look at those as opportunities. Um, and in those opportunities, you have the choice if you're going to empower your child with that responsibility or are you going to do it for them? Are you going to show them and teach them how to clean their room? Are you going to go in and do it for them? Because here's the deal, parents. It's really easy to go in and clean the room. It takes you less than a minute, right, to pick up all the toys and put it away. It takes 5, 10, 15 minutes. It becomes a game when you're teaching you your child to, to clean up the room. Times. Maybe, and you know, but I'll tell you this, parents, you know, like, for example, uh, every one of our kids and, and uh, just credit Suzanne for this. Uh, we don't ever get on to them about their homework. For example, they do their homework on their own. They they do things on their own. Now, are there things we wish they do better where they clean their room better or whatever like that? Well, so yes. like with homework, I, I mean, I don't remember when the, when it clicked. I think it was when the girls were teenagers and I still had infants at home and I literally couldn't help them anymore. It was just forced into it. But what it, the realization came to me that that's their education. I've, I've already learned second grade spelling. I've already done <laughs> third grade math. I've already written my senior English paper. And so that's their job to do it. They need to learn it. They need to jump through those hoops to become the person that God's created them to be. And so that was what empowered me to take my hands off of it and let them make a bad grade or let them fail or let them not succeed at the level that I would even want them to succeed at because it's their journey. Well, and I think for you, um, you know, that is where we, it was almost out of necessity because we had seven kids and there were, there was no way to be a helicopter mom. I mean, we could have, but I think you would have. Oh, I don't gone think crazy. I could have. Yeah. Like, I literally don't think I could have. And I think that that's one of the reasons that God gave us so many kids. And so, parents out there that don't have seven kids, this could be hard for you. This could be a struggle. To, I mean, and, and I'm a helper, so I want to step in and I want to help my kids. And I really had to back off. Um, and so this might be something that you and the Lord are going to have to wrestle with a little bit. And you're going to have to decide, I'm not going to help my kid in that area in the name of independent, self-sufficient, contributing members of society. And we really want to continue to emphasize just that we realize this is a flip of your thinking because 
you know, more and more the norm is the helicopter parent. The norm <sighs> is the the snowplow parent or whatever we call them. But well, and know the more that you do for them, the more dependent they become on you. Like we we had some friends when Madeline went to college. We had some friends that also went to the same college, and she registered her son for classes. She wrote his papers for him in college. She talked to the professor. I mean, there's articles, there's articles that are written about parents that have gone to about college parents with their going kids. going on job interviews yes. for their kids, you know, and yes. calling, calling job, you like, know. And, and so, again, we know those are extremes, but... We're, what, but what we're you're doing, doing now kind of mm. can be setting you up for that. Yeah, and I mean, so, even, you know, we were talking about a very young age, and we just made some examples here. We're going to get into some very practical things for the last part of the podcast. But, you know, I, it used to drive me crazy. But Suzanne, would, and she <laughs> still does you it. Said that. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I was like. Because <laughs> it did drive you crazy. Oh, gosh. She would let the one-year-olds just feed themselves. And they would make, <laughs> they would, it was the biggest mess. And I'm like, Suzanne, Feed the child. Just do something. I mean, good grief. It was actually before they were one, and they could barely hold a spoon, and it was an absolute mess, and they had to have a bath after every meal, and Don and my mom and his mom all thought I was insane. Yes, and I mean, because it was so much work. But, you know, for example, and one of the, some of the things I did agree with, though, and, and was more like, you know, teaching, a, a, we watching them closely, but teaching an infant how to climb the stairs up and down and making sure they knew how to do it. Instead of going, don't, don't get on the stairs, don't get on the stairs, letting them explore things, you know, yeah, that's uh, a perfect one. Even, you know, even the cabinets that we had in the house, everybody's like, Oh, let's do lockdown on the cabinets. Well, you know, you did such a good job of showing them what was in there. And so they knew this cabinet was good. This cabinet, you know, we would even bring the pots and pans out and they would play with them and they would just, it was loud and obnoxious and everything, but. And it's just a small season that they do that. And so you just have to be patient in that season of cleaning out cabinets. It's just curiosity. But one of the things that I did was I empowered them to drink water. I mean, I, I equipped them to get their own water or else I would have their sippy cup where they could get it so that they, I didn't have to think, oh, have they drinking enough water today? And they didn't have to continue to ask me for it. It's one less ask. By the time we had our seventh child, <laughs> McCade was like two or three years old. And so, and the poor guy, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't get all the attention, you know, but, and so he learned how to climb the pantry <laughs> to get to, snacks, to, to get snacks <laughs> exactly. Cause he was a real climber and we had to watch him. I mean, please hear us. We're not neglectful parents, but I mean, nor are we telling you to empower your children to climb yes, their food. I mean, he, we would be like, McCade, stop. Cause he was so, I mean, he just learned that's what you do. You go into the pantry. Well, he saw all the siblings do it. And yeah. so he would go do it himself. And he was, yeah. he loved to climb. And so all of a sudden he'd be like, you're on the third shelf getting the power bar stop you know and we'd have to pull him down but. so another area where we where i allowed independence self-sufficiency is for them to dress themselves and so on sundays i w we would decide what they were going to wear i would pick that out i usually had them coordinating or matching with bows and all that silly stuff but um before that, I mean, Monday through Friday, Saturday, they were dressed themselves. And parents, sometimes it was not cute. I mean, and sometimes it didn't match. But we processed through that. We worked together to train them. And Molly, actually, my firstborn, ended up being a fashion major. Right. And so it... And she loves clothes. <laughs> and she loves... Yeah. And so... It's just one and so of, and sometimes then, even Molly would help them, and that's another thing. You know, the, the older siblings start to help the younger siblings, and you can even empower your kids to. Mm -hmm. So that creates self sufficiency in the older ones as they help the younger ones as well. Okay, well, so before we go to the practical, I yep. just have to say the last one. 
Okay, parents, how many of you out there hate the car seat? I absolutely hate it. I think of the days, like when we were babies, I don't think we had car seats. Not, not that I remember that, but I just know that it has gone from car seat to now toddler seat to young child seat to... I think you have to be 14 before you don't have to sit in a booster anymore. And to get all of your kids in the car, in their car seats is just not, was not my favorite time. And so that was one of the places where I trained independence very early that they would, we would go out to the car, everybody would get in their car seat. And if they could, but it's as soon as they could do it, or else we would get the ones that they could do themselves. Um, freedom moms. Yeah. Dads. Well, but then the parents gonna say, "Well, what if they don't do it right?" Or you know, and so you look at things. But you can so, check it exactly, yes. but so, it doesn't take near as long as wrestling them to get in the car and get well, situated. Well, I, I think that's another thing that as you create self-sufficient kids, before we get in the practical, it's not that you don't. It's not that you just let them run free. You're you're there to watch, but you're not doing. And there's a difference between watching and doing. And then they can build trust as they get older. I'm talking about grade school and on, mm-hmm. where you don't have to look as much. You know, for example, you know, when they were in sixth grade, we we watched over their grades, but trained them to do it. But mm-hmm. by the time they got to high school, I mean, we didn't have to check and they were making good grades. I mean, right. it's like, why am I looking at their grades every time when they're making 95s or 88s or whatever it is? They're doing great. I don't need to look at those things anymore. But you don't do it. You don't just let it be a free for free for all. You're observant. You watch You're training. It's a matter of delegating and watch. just like in a business dads or moms. You know, when you're at uh, when you're in a business, mm-hmm. you are watching your employees. You watch over things, but you want to train them to be independent because you don't want them to have to come to your office every time to. To, to get That's approved. Good. So let's do, let's go into how do we do this practically? Suzanne, you've written down here five things to create independent, self-sufficient kids. And they're really practical, good things. Okay. So one of the ones is give them responsibilities. That's how we become self-sufficient is when we become responsible for things. So chores, um, making their bed, they can make their bed as soon as they can walk. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect, but they can, I mean, like Truett puts his, his passy and his Madeline calls it healthy bear because it's a teddy bear with oils on it in his bed. That's making his bed. And so give them tasks to do. But uh, you're not physically talking about pulling the sheets up and all and, and the covers not, at one year old. But no, I mean, no, no. Well, he doesn't even have covers yet. Like babies well, don't he, yeah, sleep he's with, sure. he's got a crib. Sure. Yeah, exactly. But he, he, can put his, he can put his passy and his, you know, his bear inside the crib. That's considered making the bed at, gotcha. at that yes. age. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so as they get a little, as they, when they get into their big kid bed then put all their things on their bed they can pull the sheets up it's not going to be straight and we'll talk about that in just a minute parents what we have to do but just when it comes to more chores the one of the ways to have or want to do more chores um we actually have a chore chart in our free resources that you can go check out that kind of gives you an idea of how um what they can do at their different ages if you're if you're if you don't know you know what you can what independent areas you can give them but another way to give them responsibilities is for them to keep up with their own stuff for them to when they take their shoes off, where are they going to put their shoes? When they when they wear their clothes, where are they going to hang their clothes? Their toys, where are they going to put their toys? Um, just give them responsibility. That's yours. And so if you look around the house and you see everybody's stuff, I would do it. Okay, everybody come in on the count of 10. You gather all your stuff and go put it where it belongs. And so that's the responsibility part of 
owning your own things. It starts at the very beginning when they're one, two, three, when they can walk, when they can understand. Yeah, and what it does is it also teaches them to take care of their things. Yes, exactly. So another thing for you parents is to identify opportunities where you can teach that self-sufficiency. For example, taking care of pets. I mean, I'm probably going to offend a lot of people here, but I would say the only value of a pet is that your children can learn responsibility. No, no, no. <laughs> that we are so opposite on that. I love pets, you know. Well, that's because of a mom of somebody, seven. I don't want one more thing to take care I of. Was, but... <laughs> I was reading just the other day, somebody said, well, if somebody says I'm not a dog person, then you just say, well, you're not a happy person because you should love dogs and cats. So we are totally. But but you're right, though. They can they can feed the dog. And, and it may be, hey. And walk the dog and clean up after the dog right. and play with the dog. I mean, and so that is a great, a great place for them to have um, responsibility. Another one is their space. And we did this a lot. We rearranged their room. I helped them design their room or we would organize their room or clean out their closet. Um, those were opportunities for them to have ownership and to be. Rather than just you doing it. Yes, rather than me doing it. They were big projects. And there's, oh, there's another opportunity saying thank you to an adult the other day I was walking out and the dad said did you say thank you to I don't remember that that the coach and the kid goes yes I did and the dad goes oh I didn't hear you and I thought in my mind well of course she didn't hear you because he didn't say you didn't hear him because he didn't say thank you to you he said it to the coach and so this is an opportunity for you as parents to give your kids the responsibility of saying thank you without being on them all the time about it yeah I think also, you know, another thing you've put in here is just um, teaching life skills. You know, they can do their own laundry. At a very young age, that's when you can start teaching them how to sort. You can teach them how to, 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 to deliver, you know, to how to put away. Yeah, and so maybe what you do is you're watching them to make sure the laundry gets done. They're doing but it then, with you. Yeah, but then you do the laundry and you hand it back to them. And you say, hey, here you go. Sort this out, you know. Put it on your bed even, you know, maybe we're not even going to, you know, and then, then we'll figure out where the drawers go. And, and you know, so. And even the very beginning of it, though, putting the dirty clothes in the dirty clothes hamper and bringing the dirty clothes to the washing machine for you. And so how would you tell in a lot of these things? I can just see parents. We've got parents of different personality styles <laughs> and some parents really like things to be done a certain way. And and you're fairly particular as far as, uh, you know, your personality style goes. And so you like things. And, and if you see things out of whack, you're going to say, oh, this is out of whack. I don't like this. And, uh, you know, so how do you tr tell a parent, uh, particularly moms that are running households and they, and they are, you know, I get, you know, dads do the same thing. I think it's more towards the mom in that same standpoint. But how do you tell them to, to deal with that? So I have like a whole little section of parents, how you have to be when you're doing all of this. And so I, I want to show them all of that. I want to, I mean, I want to teach you how to, as parents to, to be patient, that your, that your kids are slower, they're sloppier, that they're not going to be good at it. They, they haven't been doing it for 25 years. They haven't been putting the laundry away. They don't know how they've got their little big fingers and they're not coordinated. And, and I know we'll get to that in just a second, but what I really wanted to focus in on there is for to help these parents right now to say, how did you, um, did you just allow it to happen? So did you have to, so can they, as a parent, when you're telling them to do these things, can they still have the the drawers look right or the room picked up or oh for sure and, yeah and, and so uh is, did were you able to accomplish that as well 
Um, so I think I, I think I understand what you're asking. What you're asking is, did I have to relax my standard, or did I nag them to keep my standard where right, it was? Right. Did I did I bug them? How did them? you deal with your particularness for sure versus the the kid there as they do these chores? Yeah, and so you parents, I mean. <sighs> That's so tricky. It, you just ha- it, you have to meet in the middle. I mean, you have to understand who, your child. You have to understand where they're coming from. You have to understand the expectations that you're putting on them. But that doesn't mean that you relax those. You communicate those. But how you communicate those is not with condemnation and judgment and critique and criticism. You you allow that with, oh, look at the drawers. Don't they look so nice when the panties are here and the socks are here and the jammies are here? Right. Doesn't that look so good? Oh, I don't you love it when all your toys are in the toy box? and they're not all over the room and when you step on them you hurt yourself I mean and so I would go at it with a positive way but tell them how I wanted it done and the reason I bring this up and we're going to go through a few other things for you that that are great examples but it's a matter of what you believe it goes back to relationships and are you gonna are you gonna you know go over the top and and be that that person that that does everything for them and then they really don't take the value what you really want to impart to them is Mm -hmm. the value of hey I like my things to look good I want things to be in a place and all those things and so as you're doing this parents you got to realize what's your goal if you keep doing it for them you're not going to transfer your value to them that's so good but if you do do it I'm I'm sorry if you do let them do it and you're working with them to do it then you're telling them what you think and what you value and why it's important to you then they'll adopt that and they're doing it yeah. And so we'll and get And then it. now you don't have to do it. Exactly. Eventually. That's, and, that, and that's exactly yeah. right. So other things like, um, you know, collecting the trash. Oh, that's an easy one. And kids love to do that. Send them to get all the little trash love, cans. Love, love, love. <laughs> little kids. Little kids. Love to do yeah. that. <laughs> our, our middle school and high school. Don't love to do that. Love, not love. <laughs> but, but again, you know what? That teaches a lesson to them. Hey, we got to do some things that we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So again, you're imparting mm-hmm. life skills to them through training them. That's that's what helps me a lot in this because honestly, you know, I, I am a delegator. I like to delegate. I like yeah, to Don's teach. Very good at it. But, I've learned from him. But it's t- sometimes I get frustrated because it takes so long, or they don't do what I want them to do, or whatever. And I got to keep thinking, oh, I'm training them. I'm training them to be. Now we've got two boys now, so I'm training them to be men. That are gonna, you know, support. and men take out the trash, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. many homes. That's the case. So another way you were talking about is just creating systems, creating the the environment that and create teaching an them to create systems. Independent environment, exactly, mm-hmm. so that they can do it themselves. You can't expect them to think of all the things to do, but you can create the system. And once they've plugged themselves into the system, they can do it. Like, where do your shoes go? We had a basket where all of our shoes went. And so that we just knew, Oh, put your shoes in the basket. And they would do that. Or where does your backpack go? You know, is it, is it by the back door? And so that's the system or, um, a lunch system. When we were homeschooling, we would I would homeschool one child and another child would fix everybody lunch. And so there was a system that was set in place and I had easy to do things for them to make like a tostada or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or, or something like that. And so it was a system that they stepped into. Yeah. We had four things they did at bedtime. Mm-hmm. And so they, when they were little, little girls, I mean, and there, you, you know, you you brushed your teeth, you cleaned your room, you got your jammies on, you got in bed. And those things happened every night. And, and so, so they, you don't have to sit there and say that anymore. You just say, do your four things, and yeah. you don't have to nag them anymore, and you don't have to keep reminding them. 
And 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 I oh my goodness, I had a mom the other day that texted and she was so, so funny. She said, "When are they going to put their clothes in their dirty clothes hamper? When are they going to do that?" Um, and she goes, "I have to tell them over and over and over again all the time." And so we kind of brainstormed like, "What would a system look like? You know, what would that? How would you? Would you? What if you put the dirty clothes hamper outside of the closet so it's a little bit easier for them to be triggered to remember to do it? You know, what if you let the laundry pile up for a week? The consequences of their actions would now drive." them to put the the clothes in the dirty clothes maybe (laughs) yeah exactly but that's what but that's one of the things that goes to the last one they were talking about is teaching them problem solving is to say man do we do you like having laundry all over your floor i mean you can't play here you can't do this and or you know when they you can't wear your favorite thing because it's not clean because it wasn't put in the wash you know and when they bring you problems not just solving it for them hey i've got a big test oh wow what are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. Well, I need to study. Okay, how are you going to study? What, what's, it's not that we don't teach things. It's just that we're not lecturing them how to do things. We're asking questions to let them solve the problem. And, and, and if they can't, well, then, we learn, then we get into guide mode. But I think those are... Well, and even with, like, with my kids, like I had Maddox in here hanging a curtain rod the other day because I said, Maddox, someday you're going to be a husband and your wife's going to want you to hang a curtain rod. And so you need to know how to do that. You know, or the plumbing, if something's... The toilet's clogged. You know, they used to call dad, and now it's like, dude, that was your stuff. You unclog it. You know, so your little kids aren't going to be able to do that. But it's time to start training them. Look, and to do that. So just to to finish this little part, to do that, parents, look ahead. What skills are they going to need? What things are they going to need to know how to do when they're in their own home? And start training those right now while they're in your home. Which leads us to kind of some things you're going to have to do to make this happen. And there's a few things that we've written down here that, that are really good to do. One of them is, and, and as well, I talked about that one, be patient. Yeah. You know, you're just going to have to be patient with them. And then the next one is to bite your tongue. Don't tell them how to do it. You know, let them figure it out. And they're probably not going to do it the way you would do it. And that's okay. I mean, Don still doesn't like cut up a watermelon or a cantaloupe like I would do it, but that doesn't mean the way he does, does it is not just as efficient and it doesn't get done. Yeah. So much of this, I think, is giving up your preferences for the good uh, of your kids. Kids. Mm-hmm. And, and letting be, them be themselves in right. the middle of it. Yeah. And realizing there's more than one way to, you know, maybe have the room clean or to uh, fold laundry or whatever. And you can, again, not that you can't try to teach them, but it's like, what are you going to, what hill are you going to stand on? You know, yeah. are you going to stand on the hill of relationship or the hill of how their, you know, drawers look in their, in their room? So this next one, parents, um, I just really encourage you to do this one. (laughs) Take a step back and stop doing everything for them. For example, making sure that their their backpack is packed. I mean, it was... uh, talking to a mom the other or talking to a teacher the other day that said that the student told her oh my mom didn't put it in my backpack and that just makes every hair on my hand head stand up because it's like not your mom's responsibility but the mom has trained the child that it's her responsibility she's the one so go ahead have your kids pack their backpacks and whatever else they need now while they're in elementary school because if they forget it in elementary school it's not a big deal so if they get a bad grade, it's just not a big deal. It doesn't matter. It's when they're, if you're still doing it when they're in middle school and high school and it starts, they need their gym shorts or whatever, and they haven't figured out how to pack those for themselves yet. And so practice that right now. Let them do it. Um, yeah. So the consequences of their actions need to be now when it's not as painful. Which means that you got to let them make mistakes. And, you know, I, I, 
we would we literally set up and, and you know what I like to call it is controlled failures. Mm, is yeah, that that's good. is that we set up things where like you say in, in lower school if they make a bad grade or forget something or whatever the consequences aren't that much you you create controlled failures that you know you know that failure is not going to be that bad right you know so they can learn from it because we learn from our mistakes the example that i use all the time is that when you're it seems like every single child has their drink on the edge of the table and it's just there and we've learned from experience that when it's on the edge of the table it's going to fall off and make a mess but they haven't learned that yet and so we as parents we just keep moving it back moving it back so they never get to learn it and so out to dinner with a great, you know, with a boss that's, you know, they're going to make millions with and they spill their drink because they haven't learned it yet. No, let's learn it now when they're little. Okay. So it's going to be costly. It's going to make a mess. It's going to get all over them, but they're going to learn. Oh, that's why I don't put my drink on the edge of the table. Yeah, I mean, it might be that they have to walk at recess because they've forgotten their stuff. Well, I hate that for you. You know, oh, next yeah. time, next time you'll put your, you know, if you just put that in your bag and you'll put your homework in your bag, it won't happen or whatever it is that, and you know, and we can, and it also gives us a chance as your kids make mistakes, um, to empathize with them and to relate to them. And so those are things and that be are on good. their team, but don't rescue them. And so as we wrap up, I hope that you have um, realized that we really are talking about a way of life. We're talking about, um, What's important? Is it important that you control every behavior of your child and that they never make a mistake and that everything is always perfect for them? I understand that you want that as a parent, but are, is that what's best for your child? Yes. Or is it best for them to learn through the mistakes, learn to be self-sufficient, contributing learn to member be, of society? Yes, yes. that that independent, self-sufficient, contributing members of society that will one day advance God's kingdom <laughs> here on earth in a mighty way. Amen. Yes, and so, and um, so I do want to just say as you're finishing up yeah. that we do just to go to crazycoolfamily.com, go to free resources, and we have a chart for you that's got age-appropriate tasks that your children can do for themselves. And I really think you're going to be surprised and encouraged and maybe even a little liberated about what they can actually do for themselves. And there will be a link in the show notes for that. Um, And and also um, just realize parents, as we finish, here's the benefit to you besides raising this cool independent, self-sufficient kid, your job gets easier. Oh yeah. my goodness. And then you can enjoy him as a person can, and not as a high maintenance yes. needy. Can we help something you to take care of? reduce the stress of your home yeah, that's good. by creating self-sufficient kids? You don't want your kids, especially if you have three or four, you, it's going to wreck your life over time. So you want to get them and you start them early and you go towards um, uh, independence and self-sufficiency as they get older. So we hope this has helped you. We know this has been a challenging podcast. We would love to get your questions. Suzanne's mentioned a a couple of, of moms that said, hey, what do I do about this and things like that. Love those comments and suggestions to, to, um, to help because it is, it's a tough little issue with, especially in our world today. But um, we think you can do it, and we know it's good for you. It's good for your family. It's good for your kids. Your kid's going to love you for it because they want to grow up. They want to be responsible. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel important. And so know that. you got 18 years to move your kids from dependence to self-sufficiency. And they're already on the track from the moment they're born. So just join them on the track. That's right. <laughs> Go be crazy, parents. CrazyCoolFamily.com.